This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Well, hello, Matt. Welcome to the big show. Nope, not the big show. Sorry, wrong impulse. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. No, this is just bad Christian. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of how it goes of just calling it bad Christian for, you know, I think of that. Yeah. There's been so many other podcasts I've been involved in. I always thought of bad Christian as the big show out of all the shows. Yeah. That's the big show. And the big show is now part of bad Christian that same way. So I'm, my yeah. mind People is ask us all the time, why did you do the big show? Why don't you just call it bad Christian? Because we just fucking wanted to. <laughs> That's I got the, the first. I told Devin this um, at the show the other night. Devin, I got a new category of comment. And I thought he would really appreciate it too. And it was, I went and got pizza after we played the show, and yeah. a guy from across the room goes, "Hey man, big show's the best." Wow. So he's like, he's like, he was just trying to let me know yeah. the big show's the one he like. Now today is not a big show. No, it's just, not a big show. So it's not going to be the best. But lo- <laughs> but that Devin got to be included in that is the one he, this guy prefers is that one we hang out with right. Devin, you know, in Lunsford on that. So I thought well, that was fun. a new category of comment. So you better let us know. Uh, yeah. The in-person votes uh, work more than the <laughs> internet comments. Yeah, that's true. Person, but the cool thing is, positive. you get bad Christian episodes, you get big show episodes. If you join the BC Club, you get two bonus episodes. I mean, all you got to right. do is go to thebcclub.com. That's B, thebcclub.com. You can join. And you even get a, all, like, all of Emory's catalog, all new stuff, all kinds of things, right? All like, the video are they specials, even get, unreleased EPs, we, unreleased yeah. album. And the songs we, and stories songs and that story. we just did this week was a stream. And we're taking that as a capture, going to complete the edit, fully mix the audio, and that'll be an Emeryland only release or exclusive for the period of time, and maybe we'll put it out later on YouTube or something, but that's Emeryland content, and that's the type of, we'll have that done in the next, you know, I don't know exactly how long, yeah, but soon. week or very soon, and and so that's the type of stuff we get. It's like this on-demand library of content. There's more than one unreleased EP, covers, uh, rub some dirt on it. Our new album yeah. is only available to Emeryland BC Club members at this time. It'll eventually yeah. be released publicly. But that's the type of thing we do. We have an indie content house. It includes bonus episodes of this podcast when you join the BC Club, plus community access, Facebook groups, etc. And with that Songs of Stories, there's a merch collection. Uh, the merch collection will only be available through uh, March 13th. If you join the BC Club, you get 20% off of that as well. And you can go to emorymusic.com to order. Uh, that's really good. And, the, I mean, so many perks, so many things you get when you join the BC Club. It's crazy. At thebcclub.com. Uh, you get your name read. If you're, in a, if you're a member, you're going to get your name read here on the podcast. So let's just go ahead and do it. Matt, do you have their nicknames today? You Do you know what they are? If I... Well, look, you can you can send your nicknames, or we can conjure your nicknames from the magic no, mystical reality. We never so, would conjure them. Well, That's I'm, just, it's a hundred percent right. And after it's said on the show, there's no turning back for you and the rest of your life anyway. So either so, however yeah. your nickname gets here, it is real. That's all. All right. The first the first name's Timothy Sullivan. What's his nickname? Uh, teacup. <laughs> 
Timothy Teacup Sullivan. <laughs> Tim Teacup. Yep. What about Marlon Paris? Paris. That's, uh, I don't know how to say Paras, but that is uh, Marlon Nugget Paras. <laughs> oh, Nugget. He's Nugget. That's Man. a good one. What about jo- Jordan Allsbrook? Oh. He, he's got a nickname, right? Oh, you mean Giggles? Oh, Giggles Allsbrook? <laughs> oh, my God. That dude will have you rolling. What about Francisco Bernal? Well, he's cool. I mean, everybody knows that he is uh, Francisco Ride or Die Bernal. <laughs> <laughs> Old Ryder Dye has been there yep. for a long time supporting us. Mm-hmm. And then you got old Callum Reese. What about him? Scout. Scout. Oh, it just went classic. Scout. Just yep. classic. All yep. right, cool. Well, this is a bunch of uh, information here, but the last thing I want to tell you is you can get 10% off at marriagesupply.com with the code BCPOD. We got a lot of new items, Matt. We got the PDX Stroker. We got the Tickle His Pickle book. We got uh, Prince Charming Buzzed g-spot bob and mm. more i'm telling you there's a lot of new products on there a lot of you know like oils uh, lubes i mean uh vibrators uh i got right here give me a second right here okay. i got the gaia uh or maybe it's glass oh sorry i thought it was the g-a-i-a uh, this is glass it's a curved beaded glass dildo now it's not glass that could shatter it's a different <laughs> form of glass because so, I was worried about that when we ordered this product, but it's not like that. But it's a glass dildo, and I think it will take your love making. Are you going to show level. it? Oh, I guess I, guess I can. Maybe you show, right show here. It. Sorry, I didn't even think about that. We're on video. That's right. Yeah. So go go to where you can go to our Spotify or whatever. Look at that sucker right there. And Curved that looks, five inch. That looks fun for her or him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't. Put that somewhere. Yes, you do. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know what you're saying. I never used glass before. Yeah, right. I saw, yeah. You had like three or four of those on the bus when we used to tour. (laughs) So, BCPOD, you get 10% off. I mean, come on. What what more is love? So, go to marriagesupply.com. All right. We have a great guest today. Um, It's old Carl. Oh, Carl. (laughs) Can't say it. Old Carl Thomas. Uh, And Carl, we've known him for a while. He has worked with. Uh, on and off with Triple X Church for quite a while. You know, we had Craig Gross on a few months ago, and we wanted to have Carl on. He has a new book out called When Shame Gets Real. And uh, this is a good conversation about shame, about the church, about we talk a little bit about uh, uh, sh- the Triple X Church and Craig Gross just a little bit. But uh, it's a fun conversation. It was great to catch up with Carl. And uh, this is cool. So uh, y'all enjoy it. Carl Thomas, what's going on? What's going on, man? How have you been? Good. Long time since Chicago. But yeah, I'm, let's I'm, let's just jump in there and try to retrace where we are, where we've been, what has happened, what the world is, yeah. what everything is. So let's that's I think that's pretty much what our conversation um should trace today. So when was the uh, last time we hung out when you say Chicago? Let's try to remember that. I met well with you, I saw you at the Chicago Exotica. Oh my gosh, I don't even know. Seven years ago? Yeah, it was supposed to be like seven years ago. I hung out with you at a porn convention. <laughs> yes. It was the short yes. answer there that, you know, yeah. you and your people bought me a ticket and plane ticket to a porn convention where I hung That's out with correct. Ron Jeremy and you and Craig and st- stuff like that. I met a bunch of porn stars, saw a lot of porn. That's what I remember yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, we had to keep you away from all the booths trying to get signatures. Yeah. <laughs> it's really super awkward and embarrassing, that. But that's all right. You know, we all love you. So, 
That's yeah. good. It, it was a it was a shocking <laughs> experience, and I just remember it as like it was so cool because it it was. I just I just loved everything about it because it was such a weird experience to for, like yeah. I was I was supposed to be there somehow at a place where you shouldn't be, but even yeah. me is like our podcast had done enough to where your organization would wanted me to be there in some part was like it felt like i was important enough that it mattered that i would have a convention to go to and it turns out to be this convention which is crazy because i mean there's literally just a ton of adult stars in the room in a place i would think i should not be and i was there in such a weird context of i'm against this thing i'm like this is a this is a, a world that at, at least at that time i i felt was you know extremely bad yeah, evil. Yeah. but yet i had permission to be there because i was in this narrow counter way there to actually help the people there which feels really great because it's like i felt compassion i didn't feel like these are the bad guys i'm against them i felt these people themselves are caught up in a thing that is negative and i care about them but yep. you know what I mean? Like overall, it's just on the, every level. It's just a very one of those crazy experiences for one to have. So it's a very, it's very memorable to me. Since sense memory, intellectual memory, spiritual memory. So you know, it's an intense experience. So that's um, that's my memory of it. But you, I mean, that's what you were doing week to week yeah. then, or still uh, are, or whatever. You know, I don't know. We did five to six a year at one point. Well, actually, one year, man, one year was like the gauntlet. We did eight three in canada those shows blow um but yeah three in canada five in the u.s that was a, that was a tough year but usually five to six five to six a year is what we were doing uh i haven't been to a show in i want to say four years mm-hmm. so it's been a while and part of that's also covid uh part mm-hmm. of that was the fact that i wasn't with triple x church for a couple of years uh, three years like off and on so you know some of that but yeah i haven't been there in a while but i i, I can identify with what you're saying because my first show that i went to yeah that was me i was actually you know i don't we don't have to get into it but my first show i was still i had just looked at porn a few years a few weeks ago like the whole fact that i was on that show was like uh a, a, let's say a divine accident right that i shouldn't never been on that show but i was on that team and I thought, oh, yeah, here we are. We're going to go tell people about Jesus, blah, blah, blah. And then we go through the doors. And the first thing I see is two strippers on poles on each side. And I was, holy crap, Carl, what did you just get yourself into? You know, that was like, oh, my gosh. You know, and then you see women walking by. And if they, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I did some I did some not so good things with you a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was super weird, but then I got used to it after a long time. Yeah, yeah, and I have to remember that 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 what was most interesting to me was that there was a somewhat polarized response that Triple X Church got at those, where there were certain um, of the entertainers or booths yeah. or companies that felt very good about the presence there, and some yeah. that really did not like it. And I just found like, well, that's that has to mean something kind of good. That there is, the, and because both both responses seem genuine and sincere to yeah. me, you know, and I can yeah. understand both points of view. I think that's honestly just uh, a microcosm of what we see in society at large. Is just nobody wants to take the time to have a conversation and see what you're really about or dig mm-hmm. in, and 
even if you're on different sides, quote unquote sides, just having an intellectual conversation about it, nobody wants to take the time to do it. So uh, there are a lot of people that didn't like us, but they didn't understand what we were, why we were there. I mean, there's mm-hmm. still people to this day that probably think Triple X Church pulls up with their, you know, white uh, child predator van, right? No windows. And just, you know, grabs porn stars by, by the hair, throws them in the back and shuffles them out and gets them out. Of, you know, we don't do that. That's not why yeah. we're there. But there's still people that think we're, that's why we're there. They try to try to get people out of the industry. And, when y'all uh, were doing that, when y'all were doing that, what was the goal? Like, was the goal to literally pray and get the person out of the industry? Or was it just to, were y'all thinking they didn't know Jesus? Or like, what, when, what was the actual real mission when you would go to those events? It was simple. Just tell people Jesus loves them. And then the, uh, that was the, just telling people Jesus loves you was the, let's just say that was the goal. At least that was the goal at the forefront. That's what people saw front facing. Um, the secondary goal kind of behind that goal was just, at least for me personally, was I just want people to see that people who love Jesus don't have to be freak shows, you know? So to me, that was a big win. If someone walked away and says, I don't know about all this stuff, but it was cool talking to you and I appreciate your point of view. To me, that was a win because now they're open, you know, receptive to maybe a conversation down the road. But if they walk by, they see the word Jesus or they see a Bible or they see the word Christian. And uh, the first thing they want to do is just run away and never talk to you. Then you're never going to make any progress with them. Mm-hmm. So what, just was it normal? What, what about like, though? I mean, did you guys believe that the. Uh, these entertainers were being hurt mentally, physically, emotionally. Like, I mean, was it just, uh, you know, porn's bad or did you guys have uh, deeper, did, did y'all go deeper than that too? Like, did you feel responsible to help people because you thought they were trapped or in, in really bad situations or what? Well, I mean, we weren't there just for the, sh- the entertainers. We were there also, honestly, for the people that just go to that show. So it was people that are stuck in an addiction, if you want to call it that. Uh, entertainers who are maybe in an industry that they're, you know, they say they like now, but are, it, it's hard to get, it's hard, no pun intended. It's, it's difficult to really stay in that industry for a long time. Only a very few select people do. Usually they burn out pretty quick. Um, I've worked with male entertainers in the past who, you know, they'll tell you one thing, but then when you get them alone at age 48 or 50, they'll tell you that, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a dead end for me and I can't get a job. So there's a lot of things. I, there's plenty of information out there uh, regarding the sex industry and the effects it has on people's mental welfare. But right. honestly, at the end of the day, we went to what I would call a mainstream porn show, if you want. Uh, I mean, the, the guys are owned and ran that show. Uh, he actually lives in Philadelphia right across the river from me. I, I've had lunch with him many times. He's a, he's a friend of mine. We went to his kid's birthday party. He's a great dude. Um, but you know, uh, most of the people that go there, I would say, at least as far as I know, they're there completely willing and wanting to go. Right. So mm. it's not, Hey, I'm trying to pull you out of this thing that you got trafficked into. Like, no, they, they deal with legitimate yeah. avenues of porn. Uh, not some of the crazy stuff you see out there. And so it was, Hey, whether this is working for you, not working for you, whether you want to admit it or not, uh, whether porn's working for you or not working for you doesn't matter. Jesus loves you. Let's start there. And then, you know, if you want to further the conversation on the porn front, we can, but we don't have to. What was the demographics like for people that came to the porn conventions? Like, is it mostly men? Is it women, just as much women or or what? It varied by the day. So usually it was a three-day convention. 
Friday was always ladies' night. <laughs> so there was easily a 50-50 mix. I always enjoyed the younger guys who were bringing their girl there for a first date. That was, I mean, we would run into them constantly. I was like, wow, yeah. okay. Um, Saturdays was a little more male than female, but you would still get a lot of couples. And then Sundays was, yeah, mostly men. They were what we call the, uh, they, were, they were the hardcore guys. Like they got the three-day pass. They, they got oh, a three-day yeah. pass for a show <laughs> that literally takes 40 minutes to walk through. Like, <laughs> My assessment of wow. it would be that, um, given my experience, it feels like a, the demographics are kind of like a mix between, this might sound weird, but like a, a Star Trek convention and OzFest. Does that give you a grip? <laughs> yeah, with a lot of dildos. Right, but I mean, they're, they're, they are yeah. fans. They do, and and many of them are maybe yeah. even you could say nerdy or super fans of a, yeah. a, a, a very narrow thing that they're in they're into, yeah. you know. In the same way that, and but it also the, the, it looks like a heavy music crowd. Well, like you know, when the doors open at a music festival, but it's very alternative people. So you see weird piercings and weird, you know, that people present very weird there because, like, or you know, at conventions, people. They go, they go all out, right? Yeah. Like they, they they participate by be dressing really crazy or you know having obnoxious something, and so it's kind of like that that same energy of when you get in this new open, you know. So it's kind of that there's an ex- there's an excitement, obviously, and energy um, to to the whole thing in a way that I, I think is fascinating. But yeah, I would I would say that was kind of the so probably the, the attenders had like a if if it, if it was like a Star Trek convention. The same way as you are emotionally involved or connected with mm-hmm. uh, your your Captain Kirk or your Captain Picard, you know the one that you like the most, or whatever. A long line they, for they, signing. Yeah. So it's not just that they jacked Damn. off to a porn. They they are like invested in the actor in a way, or know the the trajectory of their career or what Correct. movies they've been in. That like it's probably more like like they, yes. some of those people are really invested, I guess. Yeah. Like they, like there's a there's a. There's a contingency of them that it's not like they don't, it's not shameful. They're not experiencing it as shameful. No. Um, do you know what I mean? Like the people that consume porn, uh, largely like the, probably the stats are and the way you see it is like, I guess overall it's a thing people do that they have in their shame bucket, but the avid fans um, are, are the people that don't, they don't necessarily have that. That's not what makes you buy a ticket, get all dressed up and go to a porn convention. It's not, they're they're like there's something about that that I feel feel good. They those are authentic people doing something they enjoy, and then you can wonder about things like addiction, which I think that's kind of what I was curious, Carl, how you connect that um, to that to that like you like you you know to be caught up in it is and can be an addiction. But there's some people that like alcohol or drugs in a way that isn't addiction, and they don't feel bad about it. Right. So you have those across of populations and viewpoints of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that are there. They're there for curiosity. A lot of people that are, you would say casual fans. And then there's a lot of people that are hardcore, you know, they're, they're looking to porn every day and they're, like you said, tracking their careers and whatnot. Um, the same thing I'd say. Yeah. There were certainly some people that I would say probably walk around and they just, they're loud and proud and wear it all out. But even some of the hardcore people, you know, if you, if you talk to them, it would, 
they what what made these conventions so appealing is they could they were with their people right they could mm-hmm. walk around they could be themselves they didn't have to hide uh, but you would get people where you talk about them and say oh yeah well, my wife doesn't know I'm here or I'm mm-hmm. a teacher got a lot of teachers <laughs> you know hey I'm a teacher <laughs> like <laughs> you know they don't, they don't know why I'm here uh, you know we've got some people say yeah my my pastor doesn't know I'm here well, you know it's like stuff like that right. so I'd say there's probably a higher degree of embarrassment or shame probably than we give it credit for. That's just a guess, of course. I can't speak mm-hmm. for certain. I'm just going off of conversations I had. But then, yeah, there's certainly those people that just, they don't care. You know, they're like, hey, this is what I'm about. You know, I'll wear the, I'll wear the shirt out in public, whatever. So. Yeah. And the topic, uh, you know, shame, it's on my mind because your book is, I can yeah. see your book right there behind you and everything. But the topic of shame is probably really, in, in my view, I mean, maybe I've been paying attention for the last seven to 10 years, but it seems like all of society has moved into a slightly different awareness of the word shame and how we have used it or how we do use it um, a lot more, you know, like the idea that, oh, that's shaming didn't used to be negative and now shame is more discussed in this open way um from like Brene Brown to just everything like how we deal with shame is now kind of in the lexicon a little bit have you noticed that i mean how you know how does that interface with your yeah. book and where you are in this industry yeah yeah i mean i you definitely see it being talked about a lot more um where i've seen it talked about more though is kind of like you said Brene Brown i've seen it more on the, um, the academic level or like mm-hmm. the the wide, you know, kind of like the wider context level. Uh, usually, the conversations also revolve around you know body shaming or um, racial things like that. You know, um, kind of like these hot hot button cultural issues. Uh, where I haven't seen a ton of conversation, and that's why I did this, is specifically more in the sexual realm, right? Uh, you, I don't see a ton of conversations about that. I mean, I love, there's a couple guys out there who I love their curriculums, if you want to call it that, or books on pornography, sexual addiction, all that stuff. And uh, they're very good. You know, they're very, they're smart guys. They have great, great content. Uh, but even those guys, a lot of times shame is kind of like a, a chapter, you know, it's like, they don't talk about it that much. They're more worried about systems and strategies and all this other stuff. And, and, Honestly, for me, at least from what I've seen and just what I'm realizing more and more is shame is shame's the big thing, um, not just for the person who's struggling with a behavior that they can't get rid of, but just in general. It's the way we approach these topics in the first place, right? With mm-hmm. our kids, with each other, uh, in our church, with our friends, like there's just these taboo kind of holy or sacred cows that we don't want to tip over, um, you know, be, you can't, you're, you're with your, if you're a church person, you can't go to your small, you can go to your small group and talk about the fact that maybe you put on a few pounds over the holidays, but you're probably not going to mention the fact that you've been dealing with a lot of masturbation lately, right? That's for the, mm. that's for the crowd that meets Friday nights, 8 PM in the church annex where no one sees them, right? It's like, there's that, right? It's just this overall kind of, yeah, that type of stuff. It's weird to talk about. I shouldn't talk about it. And even, like I said, you see it dribble down to parents with their kids. A lot of parents just don't know how to topic, how to tackle this issue because just the mere mention, bringing up even just certain words or topics, makes them feel very uncomfortable and very because of the way they were raised. You know, they they've been raised with a lot of these very religious dogmas about stuff. So it's like, ah, I'm not going to talk to my kid about masturbation. First of all, it's weird, and uh, and how do I ever explain it? You know, so it's stuff like that. 
and uh, I think that's where we really need to lean in on in terms of sexual health. We really need to lean on this idea of, hey, this stuff is just part of life, right? I'm not saying it's necessarily a good or bad part of life. Certain things obviously are probably a bad part of life. Certain things are a good part of life, but it's all part of life, right? It's just, it's just the human experience. And so we need to just kind of talk about it like, yeah, you know, I'm a human. This is what I deal with. Uh, let's let's get into that conversation, and and we don't need to make it, you know, so hands off. How do you see like the goal of treating that word? First of all, do you have a definition of the word, and is the goal to lessen or eliminate shame, or is there some healthy part of shame that belongs somewhere, or is it just completely a negative aspect of humanity? Yeah, I, I don't think shame's ever good. I mean, I think it's always negative. Uh, shame is different from guilt and conviction, right? Uh, and then, yeah, I talk about that in the book about a lot. Like, first of all, the best one of the easiest ways to define shame is by saying what it's not. Right? It's not guilt. Guilt is, hey, I did this and I feel bad about what I did. A lot of times, guilt can be toxic because all it leads to is a bunch of, ah, what was me? I feel bad about this. I need to shake this off and get past it. Uh, conviction, I think, is a good thing. That's, hey, I screwed up. I kind of messed up. I need to make things right. Right? Maybe you uh, got in a fight with your neighbor. I feel bad about it. I feel some conviction about I'm going to go talk to my neighbor and, and make amends because I was a jackass there. Right. Can I, can I note then that maybe the distinction there is that conviction also contains a element of, of motivation, whereas the guilt yeah. is yeah. draining of motivation to do anything Abs- about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Guilt's like, uh, you know, in the church where you might say repents, but yeah, it's, it's the, it's, Hey, I don't, I don't, go, I don't feel good here, but I got to make amends. Right. Mm-hmm. And then shame is that's where shame really um, diverges from the other two completely is the fact that shame is more about who you are. It's not about what you did. So it's not, Hey, in this case, I just looked at porn. That was a bad decision. It's, Hey, I looked at porn. Gosh, I'm a bad person. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's that. And to internalize then. Yeah. It's just, that's never, I don't see how that's ever a positive or good thing. I mean, I've, I've read some scholarly articles on, you know, some, the idea of, healthy shame. I just don't buy into it personally. I just don't think shame's ever good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because of what you're talking about there. Shame really, you say this in the book, it attacks your identity. And yeah. I think that, I think that's right. Like it, it, it's not guilt. It, it, shame is almost feels like something that you almost can't help in a way that now is being used against you or something. You know what I mean? Like, like, uh, like the way I, I felt shame for my body. Like I've, I've thought about it a million times on this podcast, but I was always the fat kid and I felt a lot of shame about my belly or my face or, or you know, my body. And, and, I, and obviously I could maybe eat healthier or, you know, I didn't know my kid, my parents <laughs> did not care about eating healthy. They, they cared about eating cheaply, but, uh, you know, as a kid, it wasn't necessarily totally in my, realm to go oh i'm going to improve my body this way i'm going to eat healthier i'm going to exercise you know i just didn't even that wasn't even taught to me really and yep. so i felt i felt an attack on my identity as oh lesser worse ugly mm. not 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 uh interesting to be around not attractive all of those yep. things you know when i got my first girlfriend i couldn't believe it like it was the most uh, it, like i say girlfriend it was like we wrote a note to each other but uh and said we were boyfriend and girlfriend but you know like when you're in third or fourth grade and i just couldn't believe it because i was like why, why would she likes me can't be right There's some, i thought i had to i mean even as a kid i thought something was wrong with her 
Because yeah, for her for her to like me, I was like, well, something's off here. Or I thought maybe she's doing it to get at somebody. She would choose the ugliest guy or something. You know, crazy thoughts in my head. But I mean, it really it really felt that way. And you're right. I think shame can attack your identity in ways that that you also can't. It's, it's not like you you don't have a like with guilt or conviction. It, it, uh, at least you have some process of understanding it and potentially changing it in a way. But with shame, is it, is it like in, in this book, it's hard to change, right? Like, how do you, how do you cast off shame off of you? Yeah. Well, I mean, shame is, uh, shame is a feeling, right? It's the way we probably, like, there's emotions and feelings and there's a difference between the two. You know, we all have emotions and we all have feelings. Neither, neither are bad or good. Emotions are just the natural biological aspect of, of, of how we work. Right. Um, yeah. feelings are kind of like how we process those emotions. Right. So shame is a feeling. And, uh, I say this, like, listen, you're always going to have shame moments in your life. There's, there's no getting around that. That's a natural human feeling that we're going to struggle with from time to time. So the question is, it's not so much as being able to get completely not feel shame ever. It's more about, Hey, when those shame moments come, what, what can you do with them? Do you have the awareness to, uh, see it and, and do something yeah. about it and deny it and say, Hey, you know what? Like, I mean, that's the thing we live in a, we live in a world and you see it on social media all the time where the average person is ruled by their feelings, right? They do what they feel. So, Hey, I really feel mad. And I feel like I should write this really long post at this person about how big of a jackass they are. So I'm going to go do that. Cause I feel like I should, and I should be able to do what I feel, but they don't sit there and think to themselves, okay, is this merited? Maybe I'm reading into this, you know? So you're, you're, you might feel shame. I, I have, Days where or moments where I say, ah, you know, okay, Carl, wait a minute. What do you, what do you, what are you doing here? Is this, is this about you? It's not about you, right? It's about this. Yeah. And so even though you kind of feel this way, you don't need to go that way, right? That's just a feeling. It's there to, it's, it's kind of like a, a feeler, you know, um, was a, yeah. on the cars. <laughs> you ever like, you ever see the cars like 20 years ago where they have like the little metal things like springy things out the sides is i guess it's supposed to be like a carb uh, curb guard or something i used to see them on old men's cars. oh yeah just, yeah yeah so that's kind of what your feelings are it's like a it's a it's a guard you know it's indicator hey something's off here what's going on it could be this it could be that or maybe it's not maybe it's none of that right but yeah. we need to have the awareness to process that out and figure out what we're really dealing with so we can formulate a really good follow-up strategy but most of us just go with the first thing that we, we experience. So I feel shame. I, I'm just going to run with that. I think it's hard because I, I remember my own experience with, uh, learning about masturbation. I heard about it at school and I was like, uh, I don't, I forget what grade I was in, but it probably had to be, I guess it was middle school, middle school. Yeah. I think I it was think. probably middle school. I mean, it seems like maybe, but yeah, it had to be middle school. Um, I, people were talking about it and, you know, everybody's like, have you ever done it? No, 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 no. You know, and I, and I hadn't at that point. Uh, but then I was like, Hmm, wonder what this is. Why does everybody talk about it so much? There's my wiener. What did they, what did they say? Like you, you jacket, <laughs> you know? And, and, and I'd already had like a couple, like I, I'd had a weird experience where, uh, I climbed a tree and as I was climbing the tree, it like did something to me. Or something like, you know, I guess I was starting to go through puberty or whatever. And I was like, oh, this feels weird. Because the way I guess my legs were and arms and everything were going up. The tr- I know that sounds crazy. Sorry. But yeah. uh, th- but the problem was I grew up in a family where zero conversation about sex and masturbation was, you know, if I ever heard about it, 
from any family member. My papa was a pastor and all stuff. Any, it was always the most evil, hor- horrific, bad thing you could do. So when I first tried it, it felt amazing. I was like, oh my god! And I was a little scared because something shot out my wiener, and I was like, oh no! I thought, you know, because I, I mean, I didn't even really understand Is that shooting normal? a load. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was like, uh oh, that, uh, you know. So, but then I was like, oh man, this feels amazing. And once it, once I realized, oh, this feels amazing, I wanted to do it all the time. But who could I ever talk to about it? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I couldn't, I couldn't talk to anybody at school, my parents, or anything like that. So then it started. Then since I couldn't talk about it, I started feeling shameful in a way because I was like, I must be doing something wrong because, you know, in, it, with God, anything that's brought to the light is truth and good. But I'm doing something that I can't talk to anybody about, especially my God. Uh, my God's probably watching me do this, hating me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that that it kind of came from there because I I wish I could have, like you said earlier, I wish I could understand this is a part of life. And, uh, I wish I could have understood why do I want to, uh, masturbate? Why do I, what, why does it feel good? What, what potentially isn't good about it? Like maybe I don't need to masturbate five times a day or a hundred times a day or what, you know, how many, every times I could, you know, started getting into it. I just didn't have that outlet. There was no support, especially in the Christian world, uh, as growing up in the South to go, wait a minute, I'm not messed up. I could only think I was messed up. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, like what, that's what I said. Um, I've said this to a lot of people. I said, Hey, look, you know, this isn't a recovery book. I mean, yes, it's about sex and we talk about porn a lot. And I, um, I definitely bring up a lot of personal stories and things like that related to porn addiction or sexual yeah. addiction, whatever you want to call it. But it's not a, the goal of this book wasn't to provide a recovery book. There's enough of them out there. Some are good, some suck. Uh, but I, I don't need to be another voice in that space. For me, this is more about the bigger topic, which is why can't we just, why can't we just address these things the way they need to be addressed in a healthy way? And, uh, so even in your case, you know, your, your eventual shame was, I would say perpetuated by the fact that your parents and the your parents before your parents, right? Like they yeah. felt shame about these topics. Like I can't, I can't right. talk to my son about, about masturbation and sex. That feels dirty. Like I can't do that. What, what type of person does that make me? Right. Um, we need to vilify or demonize sex. Like we, we can't, yeah. it's only for procreation. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not something you do to, to enjoy. Right. Yeah. And so that gets passed down to you and then you don't know how to process it out. And um, yeah, I mean, my, I share my story about the first time I masturbated in the book and, you know, and I share the story about how I told my son about the first time I masturbated. I didn't just tell him about masturbation. I was like, so let me tell you how dad first masturbated. And, <laughs> how old was your son at that time when you told him? That, for, how old were you when you did? And feel free to tell us the story. And how old is your son? He was 11 or 12. So about, only a couple years ago, because I, I, had, I had talked to my son at a very early age, you know, grow, coming up with Triple H Church and hearing Craig all the time. Like, I knew that these were things you don't wait till they're 12 to talk about. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I talked to my son about sex and porn. Uh, I talked to him about sex when he was, I think, seven after ant-man after we watched the movie ant-man maybe it was six at fridays i'm talking about penises and vaginas he's giggling the whole time and the couple next to us is thinking like why the hell did we pick this table right but um (laughs) so i've had these conversations with him all the time and it was just an open thing but then i realized one day i said you know what i haven't talked to my son about is masturbation what the heck is wrong with you carl and i'm sure part of it was some subconscious shame about it right ah do i really want to talk about masturbation so I just decided to, and thankfully I, I hit him at a, at a time when he hadn't masturbated. And I know some people hear that and go, ah, oh, yeah, sure. No, you don't know my son. Like, 
he, 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 hey, first of all, he can't lie for Jack. Uh, I, <laughs> you know, he, he'd be the world's worst poker player ever. And I used to play poker. So I know, you know, it's like, <laughs> he tries to say something to me. It's not right. I'm like, dude, stop it. You're right. lying. Okay, dad, you got me. Yeah. You know, so I know he was being honest with me. And, uh, yeah, so I just sat down one day and we, actually we had talked about wet dreams the week before he never, he didn't know what that was. Then he had one. And so I said, Hey, when this happens, it's probably going to freak you the heck out. Right. So just come talk to me. It's not, it's normal. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You're, you're going to feel weird about it. Don't, I, it's going to be a kind of a pain to clean up, but just, it's cool. Just tell me when it happens and we'll talk. And so he did. And then that led into the masturbation talk and. Yeah, I just I led with uh, vulnerability saying, hey, so this is how dad masturbated. And we went through that whole thing. And then I explained to him. I I, I actually explained to him the, the, the brain science behind it, but I dumbed it down so a kid could understand and just explain to him that, yeah, this is what people saw. So people do this. And, you know, it feels pretty good. I'm not going to lie. But there are some issues with it that you need to understand because of the way our brain works, the way it bonds the things that makes us feel pleasure. And, you know, and, uh, I think he got it, but at the end of the day, I told him, Hey, listen, whatever you decide, if at some day, some point you do masturbate, I don't want you to feel dirty or wrong about it. I just want you to come talk to me about it and we'll, we'll process it out. It's fine. You know, but yeah. you know, just know buyer beware. If you go down that road, you might be opening up a can of worms and eventually you're going to be in, in, uh, you know, in our recovery app with that. So just let you know, like there are, there are potential problems down the road that you need to be aware of if you decide to open that Pandora's box. And so let's talk about the recovery app and that whole, that whole thing. So one, one thing that I want to check in with you on is like just to process the amount of change that I maybe have had in the last seven years anyway, of how, I, how I view things. Whereas, um, and I probably just need to process this out loud. That's what the podcast is for. So I'll do it now. But the, at one point I, th- I thought I would have said that not that masturbation is wrong, but certainly, uh, acti- visual activity mental or internal or external visual activity with another person that isn't your wife or future wife is taking away or negative or bad or wrong or sinful, um, you know, to engage in. Um, and now I don't, I do, I just don't have that view anymore, but I, but I do much more, clearly understand that there's a spectrum of things like all things like drugs or alcohol or anything else where there are addictions and consequences and spectrums of what is and isn't even necessarily technically addiction actually kind of pretty much deconstruct that concept as well but there's just certain people and certain amounts and certain um configurations of interfaces with things like that that can have total net negative consequences or consequences that mount and prevent other things so i have a much more fluid you know view of it all which i think is less shame based um but way less right and wrong based way less moral based i think i've i think i've let go of the morality of all that and i'm curious how you interface on the app and how you think of um all this in moral terms yeah i mean I was wondering if you were going to ask me that. So, or not that, but basically, <laughs> Hey, is porn wrong? Cause I get that all the time. And, uh, you know, we do something called office hours in triple X church where I just have people write in questions and then I answer them on video. 
Uh, so it's kind of unedited and off the cuff because I want it to be natural and I want people to feel like, hey, I'm really talking. I'm not giving them some pre-written script that was heavily edited. Um, and the one thing that drives me crazy about the questions I get is almost all of them are permission-based. What I mean is, is this okay? Is that okay? So even what you're yeah. describing is, well, I used to think this was wrong. I didn't have, I didn't give myself permission to do it. Now right. I give my permission to do this. And I don't, the problem with, for me, the problem attacking any of these things on a permission-based level is we're missing the point. Um, it's I'm the permission. It's the context. As a, as well, no, it's not. So I say in the book too, it's like, hey, look, like the absence of shame isn't necessarily that you're really free from shame. It's just sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's just, hey, you just don't feel bad about something, right? You just, or you're apathetic or you just, whatever, you know. Um, but the context of all these things is really what matters. It's the context, right? So it's, it, is masturbation wrong? It's the context. Let's not, let's not worry about, you know, people want to boil it down to, well, if I mm -hmm. touch my penis right. with my left pinky, is it wrong? But only if I use my palm, right? You know I mean? Like crazy stuff, but literally. Like, like those like, are oh, actual questions yeah. you actually get from people. I haven't got one like that, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if I get one like that. At well, some people point. get I, very into, you know, like once you get into a system where you're looking about right and wrong to justify, to have permission, yeah. people get extremely like, you know, that there's just no limit oh. of moral codes that are absurd. I mean, that, it's the same way as in, in the you know. Christian world, you could people would have anal sex because that's not vaginal sex and right. vaginal sex is the right. bad one. Anal sex, right. you, you get a pass. Right. I talk about that too. You know, I mean, it's like, uh, so all these things, it's okay. Is certain sexual positions wrong? Is, uh, is masturbation wrong? Is porn wrong? Is this wrong? And for me, when it comes to the issue of sex, it all comes down to, again, the context and the, the, the big question or the primary question is what is the purpose of sex? So if, you ascribe that if you ascribe to the belief that sex is just in, in dumbed down fashion, right? Dumbed down words. Uh, it's just a really great way to pass the time, right? Which I would agree. It is a great way to pass time. Right. But <laughs> if you come, if that's kind of like your, where you're coming from, um, then a lot of these things aren't going to be a problem for you because you, you just kind of see sex as this fun thing, you know, if you want to call it a hobby, right? And it just so happens to work really good Past with your time. wife or your girlfriend or whoever, right? Um, if you believe that, then, then that's going to kind of dictate everything else. But if you believe that sex was given as it, for specific purposes, which is to bond, to increase, to greatly increase the bond between you and your spouse, right? Because there's nothing that's going to bring you together in terms of physical intimacy like sex like literally it's the only thing where you're inside the other person right it's nothing's going to bring you closer um if you believe that sex is built is is purpose for building physical intimacy and also emotional intimacy with your spouse then all these other questions you just run through that filter right so even anal sex right and i'm not gonna say oh is it, whatever i know there's verses about sodomy in the bible but you know if you and your wife are talking about sex and you're saying, hey, I want to have anal sex. And she says, ah, that really hurts. And I don't really enjoy it. But OK, if you really insist. Well, is it wrong? It's not, you know, I'm not going to define anal sex as wrong. But the thing, the problem with that is the context. Your your wife clearly doesn't want to do it. 
it's not going to make her feel any more closer to you, right? If anything, it's probably going to repel her because she's going to endure it. She's not going to enjoy it, right? So you're totally missing the mark of sex. So, and even so porn, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. where I come down on porn is like, is porn bad or good? Well, I don't think it's healthy. That's what I say. Because again, if sex is meant to bring you and your spouse together, make you feel closer. If you come in and say, Hey honey, I really love you. And I care about you so much, but I jacked off the porn for about two hours before I came in here to tell you that I'm sure you're fine with that. Like, do you think that's going to help your marriage? And make her feel closer to you, or do you think it's going to hurt your marriage and make her feel farther from you? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is it's going to make you feel farther from you, then you're missing again the purpose of sex. So for me, it all comes down to where where you land on what, why, why, what's what is sex? Why do we have sex? What is the purpose of sex? You know, I think and that's it, a really good way to look at it uh, too, because I've been thinking the same thing with everything that you know I've been trying to teach my kids or whatever for example uh like bad words i've been like i've been trying to take that out of our vocabulary that there aren't bad words really there are words that that uh i mean i said except for a few there are a few that you probably you know just stay well from no matter what don't don't even go near those but for the most part when i'm talking about you know shit or fuck or damn or whatever they hear me you know they'll they'll say i heard you say something you know i heard you say the the s word on your podcast or whatever and i'm just like listen i I'm at an age where I can decide what I want to say. And I said, sometimes that word is great. And sometimes I shouldn't use it there. I mean, what it like going back to your comment about being healthy. That's the same way as like food. I don't want them like we don't. I'm not trying to teach them that candy bars are just evil, horrible, bad things. A um, hundred candy bars a day is pretty bad for you. Anybody, you know, the, you know, but a candy bar isn't is it always the thing you shouldn't have? Sometimes you should go, you know what? I'm not going to have a candy bar. I'm going to have a piece of fruit. But sometimes you go, you know what? I really want a Snickers or something, you yeah. know, and, and I'm going to have a Snicker bar. And that, I mean, there's ways about it that you can, if you're thinking about it in a health wise, I'm just agreeing with you here. I like that attitude because you can go, wait, is this healthy for me? Is this healthy for uh, my marriage or for uh, my, my relationships or whatever it might be? I think that is a better way to talk about it because immediately if you just condemn the thing then it immediately probably even leads to shame yeah. right yeah. if you condemn it yeah well and you just and you just miss the point anyway right so because there's people yeah. out there that i mean they literally they just want permission can i yeah. jerk can i j- jerk off yeah of course you can you know, as long as as long as you don't have a as long as you're not looking to porn it's fine they'll they'll go jerk off all day they don't and so they just want the quick yes or no, right? Because they don't yeah. want to ask the deeper question as to, well, why am I jerking off? What is the deal here? You know, uh, who? I, th- these are the things you miss out on when you're just looking for a simple yes or no. And uh, the language thing is a great example. I mean, we I started doing with my kids at a very young age where we don't use good or bad words. We say inappropriate, right? Inappropriate Hunter, is great. Yeah, 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 Hunter, you should not be saying shit at, at, at age eight, all right? Especially to your teacher. Okay, that's just right. not appropriate for an eight-year-old. <laughs> appropriate um, always brings in that there, it, like y- you can screw up that word too. But to me, if you're using the word appropriate for anything, it it should force you to consider context. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. Or, it versus permit, like that does it should. Now, people will screw it and say, "Oh, it's appropriate to do this," as in they want to black and white that to mean everything. But appropriate has baked into that concept. In the situation, the situation's yeah. baked into the concept. So I love that one. And, and it's, uh, yeah, and it goes beyond just age or, but yeah, total context. Like if you say, man, I feel really shitty today, right? 
you're just, in my opinion, you're just using a word that really adequately describes the, the depths of how you feel right now, right? It, saying, I really feel shitty today, you, you can't do justice to that by saying, boy, I really feel poopy today. Like, no one's going to take you serious, right? They don't understand right. where you're really mentally processing things right now, right? Take that same word and say, you know what, dude, you're a really shitty person. Like, that's inappropriate because now you're using that word to basically insult somebody and hurt them and try to, and, you know, a lot of it, you know, outside of just the, with sex, it's, yeah, spouse and the the context of marriage. But then there's the bigger, the bigger question, which is, hey, it, it, again, if you're not, if you don't have a faith in, in Jesus, then this might not apply, right? I don't know. But if you're a I Christian or you're of, a, sorry, a Jesus follower, you're, you, you should be caring about how you treat people, right? Yeah. So it's, hey, how do I treat people? Am I treating this person right? Which that goes back to porn and masturbation too. It's like, well, what's wrong with masturbation? Well, you know, you're at, or lust. Lust is a big one we get all the time. And it's like, what's wrong with lust? Well, it's not the lust. It's the fact that you're, you're, you're objectifying somebody. You're taking somebody that has a mind and a heart, you know, has like a lot of potential, like a, a creation, right? Literally can do almost anything. And you're boiling them down to a few body parts. And that's messed up. Right. That's just not appropriate. It's messed up. Yeah. I think that the, you know, most I'm trying to say that it seems like all the stuff that you're saying works in a biblical view, but also it seems like you've taken great efforts to make, to make sure that it's not just about, about that in the way that um, a lot of the same things you would say, or ultimately, if we really get good at it, we should be able to reconcile what the the the, the real wisdom in the Bible with how the human biological machine actually works, basically. Yeah. So oh, I, I do believe there's a place where correctly analyzed those things would would line up, and it and then you can there's the the layer of permission based uh, things can kind of melt away without one invalidating the other. And it seems mm-hmm. like you've taken some good efforts to that. Um, whether or not there's a verse on this or whatever, but the the deeper wisdom of the Bible is a like in some ways a health book. I mean, or a, or a yeah, you know, the wisdom it's it's a wisdom book at least. It's a wisdom book that points to things like like that. Um, and the appropriate word really works in that permission. And when you use the Bible like a permission thing, it you will be wrong. You will be getting it wrong. Uh, I think the other one that says like, ba- like y'all said, bad words. The other one to me that jumps out in that is anytime you're in an argument with somebody, it happens all the time where they go, but it's not wrong to like, whenever you hear that phrase, just beware. And the one that comes to mind so much, it's not bad for a pastor to make money. He's like, wait a second. What are you asking? Right. You know, how about what's the appropriate amount? Yeah. Right. Have, what is what is appropriate with pay or what yeah. or what what's our dialogue about it? Or, or in all know, capitalistic yeah. endeavors, that's the same thing as the pastor when it's like it's not wrong to make money selling your whatever, you know, what like what right, but there it's not just if you just need to know if it's right or wrong, that means you're going to then maximize and abuse that permission. I mean, you're right. going to do that if you're asking that question. It I mean, that's why, question. that's why our tax system is so fucked up, right? Because yeah. there, there's, there's some rules, but you can skirt them and legally and so, you know, I mean. I yeah, mean, and once you get your permission, you go hog wild. You know you do. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to say, uh, so Carl, since the last time we saw you, we uh, uh, got a, we have a company called Marriage Supply that sells adult toys, right? Okay. And, and we don't have any, there's no porn on the site ever. 
And one of the reasons, uh, these two ladies, they did the free sex podcast. They started this business and then life, you know, families got busy and so they didn't have time for it. So we, we bought it from them. And one of the things I really liked about it, and, and this is what I think too, what we're talking about here is, uh, and I, I appreciate, like you, you said, uh, maybe, you know, is your book for everybody on earth? Probably not, but it's for some people. And like our marriage supply, I, I, we thought the same thing. I was like, well, does it really matter if there's a, you know, a scantily clad dude on there or a lady on, on, on the side, or if it looks like they're having sex or you see a nipple or whatever it might be. And then I just thought there's plenty of that out there. You, if you need, if you want sex toys with, you know, uh, pornographic images you you easily can find that you know i I like the idea of offering something and it it kind of being unique i think maybe that's even kind of what your book is trying to do it's offering something that is a perspective that's like hey this is what i these are my thoughts this is what i think this is what i want to do and if it's not for you that's okay and that kind of actually also takes away i think if more people were like that, it would take away some of the shame because like with, like with our site, we're not trying to, I'm, I, I don't think it's going to reach everybody. It's called marriage supply. You know, some people are going to be like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not married or, uh, I don't, I don't care about this, that, or whatever. But the idea there would be, our, our goal would be to open up conversations, uh, within marriage where you, maybe you want to spice up your sex life a little bit, or maybe you want to try a toy, or maybe you di- don't know if your partner wants to. So maybe you could just have that conversation more than, just buying the product, the idea would be, oh, what are we talking about? And that that leads me to my other question, though. I do think when 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 we're thinking about shame or we're thinking about sex or sex addiction, even in, even in your own life, I don't know if you could speak a little bit to this. I can I know in my own marriage there have been times where I have turned to porn because it's like ah, I just don't want to. I don't think Jess is in the mood or. Uh, I don't know. It'd just be easier. I can go handle this. I'll be done with it. And you know, I won't, I won't have the desire anymore and I don't have to like, it's easy sometimes to, uh, choose, uh, porn or sex your way, masturbation, whatever it might be, because it solves some issues almost or something like that. And I didn't know like when, like with your own sexual addiction or whatever, when it, when it, it was there, did you think you were justified in some of it? Like, well, I'm just this, I'm just going to do this or, uh, when I dealt, when I dealt with it for years and years, uh, yeah, certainly there were, there were times like you didn't think where, you had an addiction even, right? You wouldn't have called it. Addiction well, I, I kind of, well, I'd say when I was in my twenties, no, I just was a college kid that was horny. Um, but yeah. once I got in my thirties, I got married and I got a little more serious about my face. I didn't realize like, okay, this thing's kind of out of control. I remember one time I actually searched, you know, signs of sex addiction and, um, mm-hmm. Oh gosh, I checked that box. I checked that box. I checked that box. I checked that box. And, oh, I guess I have a problem. Um, so, but even then, even in, in those moments or in those days where I did realize it was a problem and I didn't feel good about what I was doing. Sure. There were still times where if my wife didn't want to have sex, I'd feel entitled to go knock one out. Right. Like how dare she refuse me, you know? Um, you know, looking back, it's jacked up, right? But, but that's yeah, of course, yeah, for sure. I mean, and I I get people asking. That's one of the things we get questions about all the time. Hey, if my wife and I aren't having sex, can I just go masturbate? And I say, well, you know, I think you need to talk to your wife and kind of process this out and figure out what the deal is. You know, I'm not going to give you a hard yes or a hard no, but you need to talk to your wife about it. Because uh, again, yeah. the purpose is sex. 
is to bring you guys together. I mean, I got into a, I remember I got into a small group, a small group years ago. I got in a heated argument with somebody because they were talking about, um, gosh, I think we were still in Afghanistan back then. Well, obviously. And, uh, yeah, this topic came up of sex via zoom or sex via FaceTime at that point. Right. Um, and yeah, if my husband was away for you two years, he's just got to keep it in his pants. And I said, okay, well, let me ask you a question. If your husband and you are both missing each other and you want to have some naughty FaceTime and you both agree that this is a good thing for you two to do because it's going to make you feel like you're kind of with each other because you can't physically be, be with each other. I don't see a problem with that. Oh, no, no, no. If he loves me enough, he just won't do it. I was like, wow, uh, come on. Like, I'm not saying... I'm saying you're doing it because it brings the two of you closer together. You're sharing a moment, right? right? You can't be there in the flesh to share the moment. So you're doing it via video, but you're still sharing a moment together, right? Mm. Orgasms have, uh, they're very powerful as we all know, but it's not just they're very powerful because they feel good. They're very powerful on the mental level. Uh, you, you release a ton of oxytocin and stuff, which makes you feel, which makes you bond to something, right? So you're masturbating via zoom with your wife who's also i guess masturbating right maybe using one of your products <laughs> and uh <laughs> you know like when orgasm happens there's still going to be a bonding connection there a bonding moment where you're going to bond mm. with her, right so you know but it's it's certainly all those you know all those conversations have to be done and they have to be approached carefully because things can go you know things can go off the rails pretty quickly if you're not you know if you're not careful yeah, yeah so, I think that, that that's even going back to what we were talking about earlier. When you just condemn something so strongly, then then what is like, what is your spouse supposed to do? Like, if your spouse comes to you and goes, "Hey, I uh, I, I want to have sex this way," or I would like to, uh, could we have more sex? Or I have a kink, or whatever it might be. If you if if you could have that conversation and then make it a conversation, and then both people get to say what they want, what they would would consent to or won't consent to or whatever, then you have some boundaries and some understanding of each other as opposed yeah. to, nope, that's bad. When you, when you just say something's bad, gosh, then all conversation is done. Then you have to hide it. Then, then, you know, you, you have to hide porn or, uh, sex from, from your spouse who you, you are in love with, but you can't, you can't meet each other anywhere in this conversation because somebody's condemned it as evil. And then you are doing something yeah. evil in their eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just shut I, it. When you, sh- when you shut it down, nothing positive happens, you know? And I mean, listen, there are a lot of people, a lot, a lot of men and women who feel really weird or off about a certain sexual position, whatever you want to call it, activity, right? Yeah. Um, some of those hesitancies are completely merited, right? Some of them are insane. I mean, in my opinion, yes, right. you know, there's a, the woman or the man who only feels that it's holy if you're having missionary position. I mean, right. what? Right. But, you know, or uh, this happens all the time. I've seen this uh, a lot where not in person, but, you know, the wife doesn't want to have sex with the lights on because she feels uncomfortable about her body. Right. You don't, you have that conversation. You don't force the issue. Cause again, if you force the issue, you're driving a wedge between you, right? She's resenting you. She's feeling uncomfortable, dirty, weird, shameful, right? And you're perpetuating that because you just want to get it your way. But you should have that conversation because hopefully, you know, she's going to realize that, okay, hey, some of this stuff I'm dealing with isn't isn't merited. Maybe it's 
a really bad way I was taught, I brought up about sex, right? My dad just taught me or my mom just taught me all the right stuff or, hey, maybe this is more about me and how I feel about my body. Okay, well, babe, I love you regardless of your body. We'll work through this, but you shouldn't feel like that, right? You should feel open right. with me because I love you and accept you for who you are, right? So mm-hmm. I think you got to have the conversation. Yeah, for yeah. sure. The conversation, you know, the you know, in the light or whatever. But one thing that I think has been particularly destructive that I've seen and have processed is coming out of purity culture, uh, Mars Hill, everything else is. Uh, and I've met with and heard of a lot of people in the aftermath of that. Um, and I remember at the time, especially too, is this. I, um, there's a lot of wives who were, I feel, coached into being um, more hurt by sexual activity or their husband looking at porn than they ever would have if somebody didn't tell them that that was akin to them being abused. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like there's, um, there, it's like the purity culture put into some people's minds where they might have been okay with the notion that their husband occasionally had looked at porn or had masturbated in a way that wouldn't have necessarily, they wouldn't have seen that as the craziest thing in the world but got it whipped into a purity level to where they felt then like they were belittled and abused, even abused by the fact that their husband yeah. looked at other Instagrams that had women with bathing suits on. And then they then had almost been trained into internalizing that as a form of abuse that they received. Um, and I know that like the, the way that I used to would go to my wife and uh, repent, uh, you know, it's like this, I'm going to beat myself up on my knees because I've done this horrible sin to you. Then that put her in this position of like having to treat it in an escalated way that, you know, kind of makes things worse in in some regard where, do you know what I mean? Like there's, you know, if my wife, you know, there's like some, there's some autonomy of a person's body that even in marriage, there's something there that I now look at a slightly different way. It's like, she has a freedom with her body that it, it, it's okay with me if it's beyond. I don't have to have access to every knowledge of how she ever in, encounters her own body. Like I, I don't have to demand to be able to have full access to that and judge it. And nor might she with me. I think that's a thought I didn't have before that I kind of do now. Um, but of course, you know, everybody's on a different, you know, wave. Are you saying they're like you have a little more autonomy than? Uh, that like in your marriage you mean like like the idea would be like i mean, I mean this is the seth our drummer him and his his, his wife mm, melanie that's one, I mean, this, example, this, this one yeah. of their b- biggest stories like i mean she found out he was looking at porn or instagram i can't remember exactly what he was looking at but i mean they got into a physical really bad fight because that was the stakes because if you do that yeah. it's akin for you sleeping with another woman and yeah. you can't we're in it, this it, battle and, and cheating he entered it, it, into that it, yeah. willingly and told her if i do this it's the same as me like yeah. it's basically you're co- coaching somebody into confessing to cheating or something it's like well you just stirred up a lot of shit where remember the kid that was climbing the tree and he was trying but it's okay if he did if he didn't that's okay like where did that go where did and that then, part go? And like, then the oh, idea the part grew that, unhealthy, yeah. like Skittles once a year to have some. I mean, you know, there's more ways to look at that. And do do I really demand to know every way in which my, my wife might think or touch her body? Is that my business? To what degree is that my business? What? Well, it'd what be a degree? conversation you could you could at least have openly and lovingly, or you know what I mean. You could at least have that conversation too. What, but what if she just doesn't what, want to have that conversation? 
Uh, yeah, that can to hurt. Like that's, yeah, you, that's the you can have the com- you can have the conversation of well, I don't want to talk about this. At least no, I'm saying know, if, I, a, if I said to my, I'm just saying if I if I just said right. if I go up to her and say, babe, I don't know if you struggle with masturbation, but you if you do, you need to tell me and we need to talk about it. Oh, I see what you're saying. I don't I don't think she'll want to have that conversation, and I don't think I'm in, necessarily entitled to it. Right. Why? You know, but I mean? if if it led to issues. Sure. Within your marriage or I mean, it could kids be. or anything. It could but, be a conversation right, we might be. want to have, yeah, yes. and it might but, be one we don't want to have. But it's not one that you're totally entitled to. It's, I'm, it's not an entitlement that I have right, access to right. her mental life, nor... <laughs> You know, but there can, yeah. but there's certain mental practices she could engage in on many levels that would be very destructive to our marriage. Well, that's what the, the, also. The purity, but what is that line? I don't know. Purity culture hurt men a lot as well because it made men seem like sexual deviants because right. they want they, all they, all, they, all, we all, all they care about immediately. Because, yeah, yeah. We just know. oh, because we do want sex, uh, we do care about sex, but it makes women seem like they don't want sex and they have to be super careful and. They have to pretend to be mad even if they're not sometimes. Yeah, and it had to make them go, wait a minute, I got to be uh, the the enforcer here on no porn because it's going to ruin our lives. When maybe the ladies would have been like, wait, maybe I could understand this or we could at least have a conversation. Certainly overcharge the issue. Yeah, talk about health in a way. That that, uh, can get tough uh, for sure. Um, uh, We got to get off here in a second, Carl, but real quickly. So you left Triple X Church and then you came back and you, you... Bought it back or what? Because Craig left. I don't know if you, you. We had Craig on the podcast probably. Yeah, what, I heard a couple I months heard. ago. Did you, did you, you hear, hear the Craig episode? Yeah. Give us your reflections on that. Yeah, we'll what's your reflection? Uh Craig's on his own journey. So <laughs> <laughs> he, that's true. You got it. He, mean, he would uh, say that. Oh, yeah. I mean, even before new journey. Uh, I mean, Craig and I. We probably agreed. I don't know. Maybe we agreed on more than we disagreed, but we definitely disagreed on some stuff. Uh, which is fine. I don't. I don't need to agree with everybody. Uh, sure. I'd say now we probably disagree on way more than we agree on. Uh, but we've had we've had conversations since. Like he called me up one time because he was trying to figure out something on the digital front, and he knows I know a lot of that stuff. And was hey Carl, could you help me? And I I had to have an honest conversation with him, and I said, look, Craig, what you're doing, I'm not really down with. You know that. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't really want to help on these ventures. I'm sorry. Even if you're paying me, I just, I don't need the money that bad. And I just don't really want to do it. I said, but that doesn't mean I don't care for you as a human being. If you're ever stuck in Jersey on the side of the road and afraid you're going to get killed, call me. I'll pick your ass up two o'clock in the morning. I said, no problem. I said, but no, I'm not going to work on this project. And it's not a personal thing. It's just, yeah, I'm not down with that. So I'd rather just not, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where I leave things with Craig in terms of how he lives his life is who am I to judge? I'm not saying it's good or bad. That's between him and God and his family and whatever. Um, but Craig's a human being and I, you know, he's done a lot of things in the past that I'm grateful for. And we've had a lot of rough moments too, like a lot of rough moments, but it's all water under the bridge. And, you know, I just, I hope the best for him. There was one particular time that he was hiring. It was a whole phase of time where the biggest thing going was Joey was going to possibly leave his church and go take a job at with at Triple X Church. Yeah, I remember com- that. I don't remember what year that was, but there was some point where he was eager to get um, out of the 
profession he was in, and that was one choice. Um, and it's just funny how everybody has different paths and, and journey. You know, yeah. like when you take this whole seven year timeline, I just think it's it's very fascinating. I like that we have a shared history enough to be able to reflect. Yeah, because Triple X Church was like the OG, like. Uh, you know, church adjacent first uh, in a way that like pushed the boundaries and, and, you know, it like it was, it was before bad Christian or anything, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then Craig decided to step down and then, uh, were you, were you with it when it was the, the pastor and the, the porn, the former porn star no. had it? No. You were gone before that. Yeah. Well, I was gone at the same time. So I actually, I actually had left prior to that. Uh, for a year, uh, for whatever, we'll just call it work relationship reasons that I just, yeah. just I said, Hey, I'm burnt out. I, I can't deal with such and such anymore. Not Craig. It was a different such and such. I'm out. I, I can, I can make a living, you know, doing something else. And I did digital marketing for a year. Uh, and then I was still doing work for them freelance though. Cause Craig said, Carl, you, you can do this stuff. And I'd rather just keep paying you to somebody else. Said, All right, I'll be a freelancer. So I did freelance contract work for a year for him. Then such and such left. Uh, he was like, go. And Craig then came back and asked me if I wanted to run the day-to-day ops and basically a, uh, a pay raise and, you know, promotion, whatever you want to call it. COO. If, sure. if there is such a thing of a, of a website, cause that's triple H church at the end of the day is a website. It's not an organization. Yeah. Um, so that's what I did. And I did that for about a year and a half. And then Craig and I were in talks. Like the plan was in theory, Hey, I'm going to step down and I'm going to let you run with this thing. Right. Like triple, they were still going to be part of his, you know, the nonprofit that he was the executive director of, but I was going to go beyond day to day ops. I was going to be handling budgetary issues and all this other stuff. Uh, and there were some considerations that I had to agree to and you know, make a long story short, over the two month period of my going back and forth with him, uh, he was doing, he started some of these new projects. We were just disagreeing on a lot more than we were agreeing. And I said, you know, I think I'm out of here at some point. I just got to figure out how I'm going to exit and make sure I do it the right way. And, uh, but then all of a sudden he calls me up, (laughs) he calls up one day and he says, Hey, (laughs) <laughs> uh, he, he sends a, me- a voicemail. He loves those voice memos. Hey, yeah, he voice, does. yeah, he does. Do he you get it. like eighty minute voice memos, dude? Anyway, hey, jump on Monday and uh, with me and Michelle, and we're gonna. I got some big changes, and I, I said, "All right, and, you know." And I'm in the back of my mind. I'm thinking to myself, Carl, you're you're a puss. Like the the best thing to do would be if he fires you because you don't have the balls to quit right now. Right? You're still kind of debating on whether you should leave or not sat down and he's yeah god came to me in the shower and i heard him say <laughs> that's what he said god spoke to him in the shower and he said leave triple h church to Brittany and rich delmora i'm sh-. And he's like carl i'm sure there's still gonna be a place for you i said nope i'm done like that quick and then uh i said yeah i'm out and i ended up acquiring one of the ministries resources small groups online that we had at the time that i had i was the architect and basically built that whole thing anyway and he gave me, he graciously offered that before I even had to ask for it. Cause that was my big thing is I, I could quit. I'd love to take this ministry, but how do you approach the guy and say, Hey, listen, yeah, I'm quitting, but Hey, can I, can I get this from you? Right. And, um, it was like a godsend. He's like, okay, well, I understand Carl, you don't have to uh, quit, but in the meantime, would you like to talk about taking this over? Bingo. Right. So we signed a deal. We had some negotiations. I acquired that, made it part of a, uh, the nonprofit that I started. 
So it was all around the same time where they came in and were kind of leading it, but they were really more leading it from a front facing perspective. I think that's yeah. the impression I get. And then that was for what, a year and a half or two. And then that kind of trickled off and I don't know the dynamics there cause it's not my stuff, but, yeah. and then I just, one day I said, I heard God, but it wasn't in the shower. It was at the gym. And, um, <laughs> and I said, you know, I kept, I, I literally kept hearing this, Hey, you know, why don't you just text Craig and see if he's willing to talk about Triple H Church? And I was like, that's insane. You know, that's insane. Because we had a couple email correspondences in the past six months, one where he literally <laughs> called me a dick. And I'm like, I don't think he's going to let this dick as- assume anything. But I'm like, right. you know what? I can't ignore this. So I sent out the, I sent him a text. I was like, hey, dude, any thoughts? He calls me at night. Yeah, let's talk. I couldn't believe it. And then within a month, you know, I'm signing a deal and we, we acquired that too. So, um, but you know, all that's the name be, of your nonprofit, uh, live free ministries. Okay. Live yeah. Free so ministry. we that's have right. to search. We have live free community, which is a, like an online app. Uh, we have live free mm-hmm. lives, which is a community for spouses. And then we have X three pure, uh, which is that, which is the video course that we always had. So, you know, um, so, you know, it worked out and, uh, you know, it's been good and I've been thankful for it. And like I said, Craig and I, Craig and I have had major ups and downs, like, I'm I'm on I'm on the Jersey East Coast side, uh, and I'm a Type Eight too on the anagram. So, I mean, I've I've had those times where it's like, thank God I live in Jersey because otherwise I probably would have shown up at his door with a steak knife and been in jail the next day. You know, just like <laughs> frothing at the mouth, like I got to kill this guy. Um, thank God there's an entire country between the two of us, and um, so we've had our major ups and downs. But I I gotta say, you know, I mean, overall he's given me a lot of opportunities and. Um, he did, he did give me the opportunities to acquire these things. He could have, he could have made a deal with somebody else and he, he deferred to me, which I thought was pretty awesome of him. So, you know, I owe him a lot in that regard. Well, that's great. I hear, you know, I think of Craig as somebody that's an adventurer and through this, this world and everything. Um, but one thing that's interesting about you or anybody is when they have a, a more of a singular, um, you know, I don't guess passion is the right word, but maybe passion is the right word. You know, through the ups and downs of it, you have stayed focused on a topic that matters a lot to you and therefore accumulated the skill and the information and some wisdom about it and then are still writing a book about it. Still like to go back, it's easy to move on from people and stuff, except for if there's value there, if there's something that you care about and you seem to show us a singular you know, vision for and care about a single topic across a long period of time in an interest way. So yeah. I, I think that's usually a really good sign. So yeah. Yeah. congratulations on still doing it and having this book and being doing what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. We'll, we'll put the uh, link, send us the link, email me the link to wherever, where, where can people find it? The book's called when shame gets real. Yeah, You can just go to, uh, Wayne's, you can go there when shame gets real.com and uh, you know, link the purchases and, some description about the book. It's all there. It's also on Amazon, but the links to Amazon are on that website. So perfect. Awesome. Carl, we appreciate your time today, man. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, man. It's been been like nine years, I think. Yeah. Too long. Since I was on your podcast. So it was pretty cool. Had a good time Uh, always, but uh, thanks man. Appreciate it.